would you turn in your Bibles to Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 9. Deuteronomy is in the Old Testament. <laughs> Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. They sh you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. And then the gospel lesson for today is Luke 18, beginning with verse 15. Now they were bringing even infants to him that he might touch them. And when the disciples saw it, they rebuked them. But Jesus called them to him, saying, Let the children come to me and do not hinder them. For to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child does, shall not enter therein. Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Today's rally day. And rally day means that we're talking about growing in faith. I want to talk to you just for a minute about some men and women that uh, grew not so much in faith, but in, in ethics, in morality. The chief of naval operations decided that there would be a senior enlisted academy to teach senior chiefs, master chiefs, E8s and E9s, the most senior level of, of uh, the enlisted ranks, leadership skills. And he decreed that uh, in the academy, there would be nine hours devoted to ethics. Well, the commander who was appointed uh, to this new academy came to me because the United States government had paid for my postgraduate work in ethics. And he said, produce nine hours of training. And I said, yes, sir. And then I got to thinking about it, you know, and I knew that senior enlisted people, men and women, were not going to sit still for nine straight hours of lectures. And after all, why should I do all the work? So as the first class gathered, I uh, explained to them that ethics was like doing three-dimensional tic-tac-toe. Ethics is about questions of good and evil, right and wrong, and appropriateness. Or I said to them, if you really want to impress people in the bar at the Chiefs Club, uh, 
you can use the technical terms, teleological ethics and deontological ethics, and that'll blow them away. And then I gave them 10 practical scenarios. And I said, you've got six class hours in your den to sit down and work these problems and come up with a solution. Identify what the ethical issue is and then come up with a solution. The last two hours I reserved for the report outs. And really, I, what I figured was group one would report on problem one and then group two would report on problem two, group three would report on problem three and right on down the line. Well, group one did report on problem one. And when they finished, group two took violent exception to their solution and to their reasoning and presented their own solution. And then uh, group three raised their hands and said, yes, but we've got a better solution to this particular problem. And you see what they've done. They changed it into a game and they took it into their lifestyle and made it a competition uh, within themselves. And in the process, they learned practical application of ethics. The gospel lesson just a little while ago uh, talks about Jesus and the children. I don't think I've ever seen a picture of Jesus and the children where the children were not either uh, preschool age or elementary school age. The interesting thing is that, uh, that Luke says that the mothers were bringing infants to Jesus that he should bless them. Infants. And the, uh, the disciples, of course, were trying to protect Jesus' time. And they were shooing the moms away. You know, he doesn't have time for babies and little bitty kids uh, right now. Just He's trying to teach the grown-ups. And Jesus said, whoa, stop, hold it. Let the little children come to me. For of such is the kingdom of God. Of such is the kingdom of God. Babies? Little kids? Yeah, they're the church. They're just the shorter members of the church. In fact, Jesus went further than that. Jesus, now speaking to the disciples, says, if you don't come as a little kid does, then you're not going to enter into the kingdom of heaven. You've got to have the kind of faith that a child does. Well, how do we get that kind of faith? Well, go back to the book of Deuteronomy. And uh, there they begin with the great Shema. Really the, uh, the basic confession of faith of the children of Israel. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. You shall keep these words that I command you 
And then it goes on to say, and you shall recite them to your children. You'll talk about them when you're at home and when you're away from home. You'll talk about them when you're putting people to bed at night and when you're waking up in the morning. In other words, you are interlacing the word of God throughout your entire day. That's how we grow in faith. You remember, <clears throat> you remember uh, last week, we were talking about uh, a young lady who came to me with a theological and a practical problem. The man that had proposed to her said, I will marry you if you come to my church with me. And we worked our way through the, the theological problem and then we dealt with the, with the practical problem. We were doing sidewalk theology. We were working our way through the problem. We were hammering it out to come to, to a conclusion. Well, when you come right down to it, growth in faith is sidewalk theology. That's how it happens. It happens on the sidewalk and out in the parking lot as well as in here. My first pastor was a woman, my mother. She was the one that introduced me to Jesus. She was the one who taught me how to pray. And then she took me to Sunday school so that I could learn from and with other people. You know, even pastors can contribute to the faith growth of children. A couple of times I have done baptisms in this service. And you may have noticed that I like to involve the children in the baptism. I want them to get their hands in the water. I want them to be close enough so that they can actually see what's going on. In fact, left to my own inclinations, I would have every single child in the entire congregation right up here, smack dab, in the midst of the baptism, watching and learning and, uh, and participating in the baptism. I would like to see them present the baptism candle or to give one of those beautiful blankets that some of our ladies have made uh, to a family if the child is an infant, or to, to give a, a plaque to remind the boy or girl who is baptized that they are baptized. They are a baptized child of God. Or to give the, uh, the baptism certificate, to actually be a part of the baptism. I baptized a <clears throat> a young girl, seven years old. And the other children were there to receive her into God's family. Well, three or four months later, her father said, I would like to be baptized. Well, his daughter, the seven-year-old, was baptized. She was part of God's family. And so she became his sponsor. 
and she participated in her father's baptism. And then the rest of the kids all pitched in, and they were the church to receive him into, into the church, into God's family. And may have gotten a little carried away there, but you see what was going on. And the children understood what was going on. They are part of God's family, part of God's kingdom. Teenagers, teenagers are important. And they've reached the age where they can take more responsibility within the church. Some of our junior high, some of our senior high kids do service projects. But I like the idea of having the confirmation class critique the sermon. In fact, I like them to judge it on a 10-point scale, all the way from, I haven't got the slightest idea of what he was talking about, all the way up to, I got so excited I wet my pants. <laughs> or probably even better, at the end of the sermon, to hold up a, a card, a sign with a number on it. You know, just like the diamond judges or, or um, uh, what is it, Dancing with Stars. Yeah. And instant feedback. Then the pastor knows whether or not he is communicating with his toughest audience. Millennials. Millennials are young people who are in the world and they are involved in defining themselves as responsible adults. And they have lots of questions. Did you notice that we have a church language? We toss around words like justification or concepts like um, the three solas of the, uh, of the Reformation, you know, by grace alone, by faith alone, by scripture alone. And we assume that everybody knows what we're talking about. No, we assume that we know what we're talking about. Millennials live in a world in which there are more than two genders. They live in a world where some of their friends are living together before or instead of marriage. They live in a world where some of their friends are taking handfuls of pills every day or turning to chemicals to help them cope. And the, the millennials are coming to us with questions. They say, let's talk, but let's talk not in church language, let's talk in language that we can understand. Let's get together and let's do sidewalk theology together. And then there are those of us who need time to talk, need time to get together and just sit down and say, what do you think? We need time to talk about raising kids. Raising kids, not simply as nasty little animals, but uh, raising kids as part of the kingdom of God. We need 
opportunity to talk about how are we going to help our tweenies and teens get through puberty all in one piece and uh, also go through the separation process that teenagers have to go through if they are going to become productive adults. We need to take the time to listen to millennials and the questions that they raise and learn from them. And then you get to the point where some of us are in the zone. Some of us have more life behind us than we've got in front of us. And we need to talk about what does it mean to have a God who is already there before us. We have to have time to talk. And so that's why we have an education time just to get together and talk about some of these questions at every single level. Jesus Christ suffered and died for you and for me. That was God's plan. That was God's answer to the whole question of sin. And the Holy Spirit's job is now to take what Jesus Christ has done and help us to understand it in the midst of all of our life at every phase of our life, whether we're a little kid or a teen or a millennial or whether, like me, you got some miles. That's the Holy Spirit's job. The Holy Spirit does sidewalk theology. Jesus said, let the little children come to me. And I'm sure he meant little children. But maybe he also meant all of us children of whatever age we are. Let us come to Jesus also. Amen.